Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Deep Dives into the Minds of Esports. My name is Blake Panashevitz, and today's guest comes from us previously playing with contender teams such as Second Wind, Last Night's Leftovers. After doing the contender's grind, he made his way into Atlanta Reign's Overwatch team. Please let me introduce Nathan Goebel, maybe better known as just Fried. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. I one of the things I noticed about you, because uh, kind of, I like research all of my guests when I have them come on my show. Obviously, you have not done a lot of, of media and entertainment, and so kind of like to start off the the show with a fairly easy question: um, Why haven't you done a ton of like media or putting yourself out there, or kind of taking on interviews? Um, I guess I guess an easy way to answer that is. I haven't been asked. Um, I think I'm a very like good public speaker and I'm good in front of camera, but um, the simple answer is that I haven't been asked. And then also, I think a reason for that is I don't I don't really stream or anything. And so um, I, I, I prided myself on, um, you know, just kind of keeping my head down and just grinding the game as much as I could. And then, you know, I eventually ended up in Overwatch League. Um, but the thing is about Overwatch League is you're now a lot more in the public eye. And so um, building up your own brand or building up your own sort of outside of game stuff is also very important. And I think I'm sort of coming to terms with that right now. Mm -hmm. So kind of like delving into this like philosophy of like getting out there and me, I, like when I worked with gladiators, I think this is something that people don't really realize being in the scene is while it is a competition, it's also entertainment. And so you do yeah. need to kind of put yourself out there and uh, be out there. Do you think, uh, do you struggle with being out there or doing interviews or do you think other people struggle with it? Like coming from this, this idea of just, I just need to play the game to now you're an entertainer. Um, I think not for myself because I did stuff in grade school and high school that made me comfortable with like public speaking and sort of putting myself out there. Um, my personality isn't necessarily geared to it. Um, but I do think a lot of people in the Overwatch league were, you know, just gamers. And I think gamers can be <laughs> a little awkward at times, um, to put it lightly. Uh, and so I think some people do kind of struggle being in front of camera or that sort of, um, pressure like that although i would say the percentage is pretty small of people who um are concerned with that kind of stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so kind of uh, looking at you how old are you fried i am 19 okay you're 19 you're I'll fairly 20. oh yeah. 20 big 20 big two actually 20 i for me 20 wasn't that big of a deal 21 was kind of a big deal 20 was yeah. like yeah um yeah, I'm about two months away from 20. Yeah. Well, I, I will say happy birthday now because I will probably forget <laughs> in two months. And uh, this is like my, my safety net kind of going forward here. Um, yeah. Where did you grow up, Fred? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, what's what what was St. Louis, Missouri like for you growing up? Um, St. Louis is kind of weird because while it is a city, it, it really isn't a city. And the traditional sense that like LA, San Francisco, mm -hmm. Chicago, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. is, it's very spread out. Um, and so I grew up mostly in the suburbs of St. Louis and, um, you know, it was my, my life growing up was fairly easy. Um, not easy, but I guess all you could really ask for, I had great parents, I had great living conditions and all that stuff. Um, I had great family to be around and, Growing up there, I think, really sort of developed me into um, the person I am today, specifically, I think, in middle school and high school and my environment at the time. Mm -hmm. So St. Louis, uh, pretty known for barbecue, too, right? Yes. Okay, I, ju I actually was just down in St. Louis. I think it was three months ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I went to two different barbecue places, Sugar Fire, and then I cannot remember the other one, but it was also really good. Uh, do you guys pride yourself on your barbecue down there? Um, yes and no. There, a lot of people don't necessarily recognize it as like a very good barbecue town, but it, it, I think it is. I think the city is about, um, it's predominantly black. I think there's like more, the majority is black people. And so mm -hmm. I think that brings a lot of, um, like Southern influence into the cuisine and stuff like that. And so there's also like very good fried chicken, very good um stuff like that and i think we do get sort of a taste of everything in st louis and i think our barbecue is one of those 
Sugar Fire is actually about 10 minutes away from my city. It's so good. Or not oh. 10 minutes away from my city, about 10 minutes away from my house. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, oh, I think Sugar Fire was my favorite of the two places that I went to. I cannot remember the other one to save my life. I was down there for the, the League of Legends finals. Um, so ah. actually, St. Louis, funny thing. I don't know if you know this, but someone who used to work with Overwatch League, uh, 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 Jason uh, Baker, Alchemist, who did all of the production. He's actually from St. Louis, too. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so I know that he's moving, I think, to Arizona now for some secret project that he's working on. Um, but kind of looking at St. Louis, you said that you kind of grew up in the suburbs. Um, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I- I'm one of four. Mm-hmm. Um, or not one of four, one of five, I mean. Um, and so I'm the baby out of all five of my siblings. I have a brother and three sisters. Mm-hmm. So what was it like growing up with uh, three sisters? Um, <clears throat> so the thing is, they're all significantly older than me and come from my parents. Um, they come from my parents' previous relationships. So my, okay. my parents both had two children um, with you know a, a different spouse. And um, then after they got divorced, they got married and then had me. And so they're... My my closest sibling to me is my sister, and she is like eight or nine years away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I grew up with my my family, um, specifically my two sisters, because my my other siblings lived um, about ten minutes away with their mom. Um, and so I uh, I grew up mostly with my sisters, and then by the time I was like about eight or so, like pretty much everybody was out of the house. Um, and so after I was about eight. Uh, I was pretty much an only child, and that's sort of where video games took like a big, uh, I guess, place in my life. Because you know, by the time you get to like the third kid with <laughs> with adults, they don't or parents, I guess, they don't they you know you care a lot about your first child and stuff. Um, but by the time you get to your third, it's like you get kind of lazy, and so they would just give me like you know an Xbox or something, and I'd sit there all day. And th- my parents would leave for a couple hours, and I would still be. They would leave me and I'd be playing Xbox or something and then they'd come back and I'd still be playing Xbox. Mm-hmm. So l- looking at that, video games starting to play uh, a large part of your life, but you, you, you mentioned that you did some things that kind of got you ready for like public speaking. So looking at your school, what was school like for you growing up? Um, so I went to, I went to like private Catholic school. Um, my, my family, or at least my mom's side, is like very, very Catholic and sort of old school in that sense. And so mm-hmm. I went to... Um, private Catholic grade school um, for the first part. And then in St. Louis, high school is a very big deal. Um, and so high schools are very, very competitive. And like, you know, there, there's a common question among like St. Louis folk that like you you ask, you know, where did you go to high school? And it, depending on what answer they give you, you, you instantly can tell like, you know, what part of town these guys are from you know, who they hung out with, you know, what, what they're kind of like personality wise. And it, it really, I really can't underestimate it enough how big of like your high school experience kind of molds you in St. Louis culture, I guess. And so I went to, um, CBC and it's a very, very, um, it's actually right next to Maryville. I don't know if you're familiar with Maryville. I, I actually um, worked for RMU who competes against Maryville, uh, <laughs> like way yeah. back when. Yeah, so they're about five, not even five minutes, like two minutes down the road from Maryville. And, uh, and yeah, like they, they're a very like competitive athletic team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're actually building an esports program yeah. that they, they wanted to get, you know, just like, st- like they wanted to ask me a bunch of questions about it. And recently when I was there, um, and, I wish I wish that program was there, but I'm glad that they're taking when I was there, but I'm glad they're taking that that step and really sort of being one of the first um, high schools in the St. Louis area to do that. Mm-hmm. So y- you mentioned this almost like a uh, college lifestyle and prestige. Is there a lot of judgment for people who go to different high schools then? A- absolutely. Um, you, you know, it's like it's very sort of certain so like certain high schools are like more clicky than others and so certain you know they're they're predominantly like most of the private high schools are all they're like you know only one sex and so it's either all girls or all boys um and so the school that i went to was all boys um there are very few like co-ed private high schools but they they are there um but you 
like I said, you can if you ask where somebody is, is uh, going to school and then you you hear about it, you instant like I said, you instantly know who they hang out with, instantly know <laughs> what sort of part like what part of town they're from, and um, just sort of like weird like small stuff like that that you can instantly gather from asking what high school did you go to. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you started out in a private uh, Catholic school and that your mom's side is fairly religious. Did religion play a large role in your life growing up? No, my parents never really like forced that upon me. They're both um, Catholics, but my mom, my dad isn't very, he doesn't, he's not really a practicing Catholic. Um, Mm -hmm. My mom, my mom growing up was always a pretty uh, big, like practicing Catholic. Like she'd go, you know, at least once a week to church and stuff like that. Um, but they never really forced that upon me. Um, only when I was like really young, when I was like three, um, did I really have to go to church. But ever since then, I, I would rather stay inside and play video games on Sunday instead of going to church. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of kind of looking at that, you mentioned that video games kind of played a role in your life. Did other things like related to school play a role in your life too? Um, I guess, I guess so. Um, I was like in grade school, you know, you sort of just play like every sport that they kind of throw in front of you. And so I, mm-hmm. I did play, um, a decent amount of sports. And I think that's where I get a lot of my competitive, um, ness from. I'm, I'm very sort of competitive in game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think playing sports in grade school and middle school really, um, sort of shaped that for me. And, you know, it kind of got me to where I am today in a super, super exclusive and professional environment in the Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. So kind of going through school, what kind of student were you? Were you a good student, terrible student? Uh, early on in grade school and middle school, I was um, I was like a pretty excellent student. I, I had like straight A's and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, I was in like the advanced like program or whatever. Um, and then probably towards the end of middle school, I sort of like fall like started falling off a little bit just because I, I didn't really care about school i thought it was stupid um and then going into high school um i was a pretty i was a pretty mediocre student i would say uh i just like didn't really care and like um just kind of just kind of got by you know i never really like left my mark on my high school experience mm-hmm. did you, so were you one of those students who like didn't have to study that much, so you just did like the bare minimum that you kind of had to to get like fairly decent grades, or yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, I would, pre- I, my mentality, I guess, was pretty much just getting by. Um, yeah. And my parents were like super, super upset at that because, um, you know, like they knew I was capable of like a lot more, and um, I would just, I would rather play video games, and so I committed once overwatch came out i pretty much every day after school at like 3 30 i'd go home and then play overwatch probably for eight hours until like 11 11 or mid 11 o'clock or midnight and then i would wake up pretty early like 6 30 or 7 like super super tired and then go to school and like i would half-ass my homework in the morning or like do it in the class before and so i was just sort of getting by basically Mm-hmm. So you're you're getting by in just school there. Did you have lots of friends at school, or were you, were you mostly just like I, the only thing that really matters to me is video gaming? Um, I had uh, like a decent sized friend group at school. Um, I from my grade school there was only one other kid um, to go to my high school, and so out, I didn't really play any sports in high school, and so I didn't I didn't have a lot of like networking options yeah. available to me right when I got there. But I would say. Like I had a solidified friend group that I kept until senior year, probably um, established in like Christmas time or, um, you know, a little bit after that of freshman Mm -hmm. year. And so, um, you know, it took a little bit, but I did establish um, a friend circle that I did keep for the remainder of my high school experience. Okay, but was it was it a friend group that you were like super close to, or was it? Because it sounds like basically after middle school, something happened to where video games seemed to be the most important thing, especially when Overwatch comes out. Because uh, you mentioned playing like eight hours a day, which is uh, yeah. a lot of it's a lot of hours. Um, yeah. But uh, like the the priority list of things in your life there doesn't seem to be like friends. Friend groups are not definitely on that the high end of the priority. Um, I I wouldn't say 
that they weren't like priority, but I would up until Overwatch came out because it came out in my sophomore year. I was like hanging out with friends, mm-hmm. um, pretty consistently, like on the weekends and stuff. I had in high school. I never, I never made like super, super close friends. Although I did have like, you know, decent, decent friends that I would do stuff on the weekends and stuff with, and mm-hmm. go to game like sports games and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I keep a smaller group of friends that I knew from grade school, um, like four, three or four guys that I'm very, very close with to this day. And I would, if I did something like later on in high school, when I was doing Overwatch stuff, I didn't really hang out with my high school friends. It was my friends from grade school that I would go out with because those were like my guys. Those were my, my super close friends that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned in middle school that you didn't uh, care as much. Is that where you started to play a lot more video games then? No, I had always played video games since I was a kid. Um, My, my dad, uh, got like an original Xbox, and he he actually played it first, but he he got Halo on the original Xbox, and I think Halo might have been the first game I ever played. Mm-hmm. And um, so he got it for himself, and then I remember I was like three or four years old, and I remember I just picked it up one time, and like I fell in love with video games pretty much. Since then, I'd play. You know, we didn't have Xbox Live or anything, and so I would play just the campaigns of games over and over and over and over and over. Um, and then we eventually got an Xbox 360, and I didn't get I didn't get Xbox Live until you know probably 2010 or something. And so I would just you know do the same thing where I'd be just playing campaigns over and over and over and over because my parents were like pretty busy people um, mm-hmm. because at a certain point they got divorced and so they were both single and so they were working pretty consistently. And so when I was home alone, um, that was all I would do is just play video games. What What did your parents do for livings? My dad is an architect, and then my mom is a radio or was a radiologist. So um, she does like X-rays and mammography and stuff like that. My mom is now an accountant, um, but my dad is still an architect. Okay, Uh, was were either of those careers like? I'm obviously growing up like I don't think you like I don't maybe you were thinking you're like oh I'm just gonna play video games professionally. Um, I would question that if you were because I think most of the people I talked to they aren't like oh yeah this is my like there's very few people who I found who are like that. But did you ever think about like looking at either one of those careers that your parents did? Um, definitely sort of for my dad. I'm terrible at math, and so my mom is very very good at math, and so I think she really did find something that suits her. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I, I get, I take a lot from my dad and he's very, he's a very creative minded person. And so I liked sort of looking at things and looking how they worked and how they were put together. And so architecture sort of fits that um, description. And so I, I thought about it a little bit, but I, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be like something in aviation. I was always really fascinated with planes and so if I wasn't doing Overwatch stuff um, or video game stuff, I guess in general, I would probably be doing something in aviation. Okay. Um, you mentioned that your parents got divorced. When did that happen? Uh, probably when I was about seven years old. Okay. So you were, you were pretty young. My parents got divorced right when I was around six. Um, yeah. was, it, was it something that was hard on you? No. My parents always had a very good working relationship when it came to me. Um, and so, you know, I never... It never really felt like there was any hostility between them. They just wanted the best for me. They lived, um, after my parents got divorced, they, they lived about five minutes away from each other. Um, and so I would, I would, what I would do is I would stay a week at my mom's house, then a week at my dad's house, and so on and so forth, and sort of alternate like that. And um, it, it, it never really like took a toll on me, I guess you could say. Oh, that's really good. Like, sounds like they yeah. have really good. Like, I used to work with people who, uh, like, divorced, especially, like, if there was issues with kids and stuff. That sounds, like, amazing. Like, yeah. like kind of like that. Like, that's the most ideal situation, obviously, yeah. w- with with that kind of scenario happening. Mm-hmm. Um, someone is staring at me, and it's, it's, it's throwing me off. I think it's <laughs> dog, man. Um, so, kind of looking at... Uh, uh, like moving forward here and you mentioned that your parents didn't really like the fact that uh, you weren't doing as well in school. What was that like for you? Um, you know, it was like, it, like I said, in St. Louis, the, the high school um, yeah. stuff is a really big deal. And so I was going to a private school and so they had to pay, you know, a lot of money for me to go there. And when you don't see results, you know, they didn't mind doing that investment, but when they didn't see results, um, that they had expected, you know, it, I'm sure it was probably a little worrisome. 
Um, <laughs> and so um, I had I kind of butted heads a little bit with them. Never anything super big, but like I I butted heads with them specifically towards my my uh, latter half of high school. Um, because that's really when I, I realized I could probably do something with Overwatch, and then I really sort of committed to it more so than any other thing in my life, mm-hmm. including school. Mm-hmm. So looking at school, did they ever, like, like I can't imagine them paying for a private school, and then, like, did they did they know about the amount of time you were putting in video games? Uh, did they ever, like, try to threaten to take that stuff away from you, anything like that? Um, yes and no. Uh, I... They knew how much I was playing, um, but like I always, I like I said, I had that just get by mentality. So I was never like, you know, below the red line where it was like in, in danger level, but I was never like exceeding that well. Mm-hmm. Um, it really sort of culminated in my like my senior year when like I had I was like failing two classes or something, um, and I remember they they took it away, and I remember I was I was playing with L and L at the time. Um, and they took, they, they, I, me and my parents have a pretty good like working relationship, and so they didn't take my computer, but I just gave them my mouse and keyboard so I couldn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I remember for like maybe about a week, I just couldn't play, and I had to catch up on my stuff and not be failing. But you know, other than that, I was like a BC student, I would say. Mm-hmm. So when did you think, okay, I wanna, I wanna play? Uh, video games professionally i'm assuming it's overwatch was the first game that you probably had that thought with um so because you, you said it came out your sophomore year of high school yeah. um and you started putting a lot of time into that was that at what point do you think i want to go pro in overwatch um so when overwatch came out they announced the the comp scene you know probably about a month or two into the game and the first season i didn't really get into it mm-hmm. um I would I would much rather play quick play at the time, and so I played season one a little bit, but I was I wasn't that high rating. I was like sixty five or something like that, which is still like okay, I guess. But then season two came out, and I remember um, I just played it more because my friends were doing it more, and I remember I got like top five hundred like the first season. I actually like legitimately tried to, mm-hmm. and I never thought I never thought I would get that far. I thought I would get to like you know maybe diamond or masters if I was lucky. I never thought I would get to um grandmaster and so grandmaster and top 500 and so when i got to that i was like oh like i'm actually pretty good at this game and so um at that point i didn't i didn't like commit to it professionally or anything but like i did i it was sort of like a a moment where i was like oh like i'm actually pretty good maybe i can sort of do something with this and so it just continued and i kept i kept getting top 500 top 500 top 500 and then i was like i got kind of border ranked and then i was like i want to start competing and so then you know, like a lot of other players, you just kind of find a team through the OW or something like that, and then you just sort of slowly um, crawl your way up the sort of um, hidden ladder um, in this in like the tier three scene at the time or the tier two scene, and you sort of mm-hmm. climb up and make a name for yourself, and then you eventually sort of like end up on like better rosters. Then you get you know more recognition, and you start playing in tournaments online, and you know just sort of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you kind of a philosophical question here. Um, and this kind of like, so this is a debate that I have with a lot of people um, going in there. Do you believe that you are naturally talented at Overwatch? Or do you think that this is a accumulation of, accumulation of skills over years? Um, a little bit of both. I was always an FPS player, naturally. Um, I, I never really played that many other games in like different genres. I'm a big single player um, game fan so um games like the last of us uncharted that sort of thing um really sort of tickle my fancy and i like i like playing games like that but primarily i was playing fps so you know halo call of duty um that sort of thing and um i had i pretty much played cod religiously up until overwatch came out and um i had always put you know hundreds of hours into each game and i think those sort of FPS skills transition into, you know, Overwatch skills because obviously it's an FPS. But um, I really sort of took what made me good at COD and sort of transitioned it into Overwatch. Mm-hmm. So you start hitting up the the tier three ladder, and you mentioned kind of a hidden ladder um, that is involved with kind of like the tier three scene. What do you mean by a hidden ladder? Working your way up. Um, so now, like, there's obviously a little bit more structure to it with contenders and stuff. But back 
you know, two, three years ago, there really wasn't anything super structured. And so you really had to like work to make a name for yourself. Um, and it was pretty much just via online tournaments. And so you, you, you have to get your name out there and you have to do it quickly if you want to get into those tournaments. And so you just sort of, you scrim and if you scrim the better teams, um, and they like take notice or whatever, then, you know, they, they might ask you to play for them or whatnot. Like, similar to a, a scenario with Silk Thread. Silk Thread was just like a ladder player, essentially. And XQC knew he was good. And so, yeah, Silk Thread, you know, hey, play for my team. And it's just sort of, you have to build up like a repertoire, basically, um, in order to get on a better team, which then a better team gets you, you know, more coverage or more exposure or whatnot. And then you eventually end yourself up or end up in a better position. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned in high school, you did some things that kind of prepared you for public speaking that helped kind of uh, get you out there where you, you feel at least more comfortable with it. I don't know if you, it's something you naturally like to do, um, but you're at least comfortable with it. Um, what yeah. were those things that kind of put you in a position to, to get comfortable for doing public um, speaking? Well, it was, it was mostly in middle school, but I did a little bit of like public speaking in high school. Mm -hmm. um, obviously in high school, they force like projects on you and stuff like that. And so you have to, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to get like a really bad presentation grade, um, you have to be a good presenter. And I remember like my content, because I would never really work that hard to make it super good. So my content grade was always pretty low, but my presentation grade was always very good because I knew how to present and, you know, talk to people and convey it to people. Um, but I got most of those skills from being in uh, student council in middle school. And so you, you, you're always like talking to people um, when you're involved and stuff like that. And like, at, in middle school, we if you were part of student council, you had to um, say like the messages of the day over the intercom, and I think that that sort of small thing that I did every day really made me comfortable with, you know, being in public and being sort of on camera or over the microphone or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, kind of kind of looking at that, what what made you want to do stuff like student council? Um. I don't, I don't really remember in middle school. I think it was just something to do. And at the time I was like a pretty good student. Um, <clears throat> and so I just wanted, I just wanted to do stuff like that. And I remember just thinking, you know, when they, when they presented student council, cause you have to be like a certain age, I think you have to be in seventh grade or something like that. And so when they presented that, I was like, Oh, that seems kind of fun. I, I would like to do that. And then I just sort of, you know, took that jump and then just, just did it until um, my grade school career closed or middle school career. Mm -hmm. So kind of looking at high school, most people are like, especially like college kind of comes into mind. Uh, mm -hmm. did, did college ever come into your mind? Like, oh, maybe it's something I want to do, especially with like maybe looking at uh, like esports stuff. Cause you're like, you're, you're fairly young. So I, I think, I don't know if Maryville had an Overwatch team, but I'm almost positive they had like a League of Legends team uh, like near you. Did you ever think about mm -hmm. going to college for maybe some sort of esports thing? Like on um, a scholarship? So at the time, Esports in college really wasn't a thing. It really only like kind of blossomed maybe like a year after I graduated high school, or like sort of after that time. It, I really sort of saw a bunch of schools doing it, but um, you know, I got to my like late junior year, early senior year, that sort of stuff, and like you know, your counselors and school and your parents are like really pushing, you know, like when when are you gonna or where are you gonna go college and stuff like that, and so. Um, the obvious choice for me at the time was Mizzou, which is um, the University of Missouri, which is where a lot of St. Louis people go. Um, but s slowly as my like Overwatch career sort of like started taking off, I like saw myself less and less going to college. And like I said, I wasn't a very good student. I wasn't really ready to take that leap to go to college. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, by the time like applications rolled around, my parents were like, you know, have you applied yet? Have you applied? Yet? No, 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 no. Like, where are you going to apply and stuff like that? And I would just tell them something. And then, you know, it got to a point where like applications were like maybe a week from due. And I remember I like, it was like really scary that I had to tell my parents like, hey, like, I don't, I don't really want to go to college. And so taking that leap and then having it work out in the end, it was like a really, really um, fulfilling uh, thing for me. Okay, and so looking at that conversation, because that's a conversation, I, I imagine a lot of people, actually I've talked to a lot of people who are like, I want to do esports as like a thing, um, but like college is like a big thing that kind of comes up. Um, what was that conversation like with your parents to be like, hey, listen, I want to either not go to college or wait to go to college. I'm assuming you framed it as wait to go to college. Um, 
for a while. Uh, how, how, how did that conversation go? Um, my parents are like very patient and understanding people. So fortunately it wasn't, it wasn't super explosive or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, it was like a scary leap because I didn't know how they would react. My parents are a little bit older, so they're both about 60. Um, and so having to make that leap and tell them, you know, was really, really scary. And I didn't know how they would react. And the thing that made it harder was I wasn't making money at the time. Yeah. And so I was on on sponsored teams. And so I really didn't make money playing Overwatch or at least that much of it until I went on the Gladiators contenders team. Um, and so having something to show that like, Hey, like I can, I can do this was, was hard. And so I, I was constantly like having to prove myself like here, here's what's going on with me. Um, after high school, like I was constantly like, this is what I'm working on. This is what we're like working towards. Um, and you know, stuff like that. And it was really, really hard to sort of put that together. Cause I also wasn't like doing part-time classes or anything. So I was, yeah. I was pretty much just playing Overwatch and sort of proving myself to them was a challenge in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So obviously you were playing like eight hours a day, like during school, when school got out, how many hours a day were you playing? Um, probably about the same. Um, you know, like I, 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 it was like pretty much when, when, when school was out, like, and I was in summer or whatever, I was just, I'd pretty much wake up kind of mess around my computer and then I was like playing Overwatch. Um, and so I, it was probably about, like I said, another eight, nine hours eight, nine, 10 hours, something like that. So kind of, kind of looking at that, you're, you're playing on these unsigned teams. Um, obviously one of the first teams that you kind of, uh, at least per your, uh, Wikipedia, which I don't know if you look at your Wikipedia, but it's very bare. So you might want to, you might want to get someone to like fluff that up a little bit. Um, but one of the first teams that you, you played on is a a team called anime is real. Um, which is a hilarious name. Are you a huge anime fan? No, not really. I mean, I watched like Naruto and stuff growing up, but like that uh, it was just like a funny name that like me and my friends who were also good at the game came up with. Mhm. So, you move on from Anime is Real um to probably one of the more famous teams in at least contenders um history, LNL, Last Night's Leftovers. Uh-huh. Uh, which I think they were actually called something else when when you joined them. Um that I it do not called, remember. It was then. called Rob420 Blase because it was a team that had Rob420 or Rob Dab on it and Blase and then uh Rob got picked up to go to NRG, their contenders team, and then Blase I think Blase and Corey were both on it actually and Blase and Corey uh both went to Gladiators Legion. contenders. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, they were both at both on Legion. Um so LNL is a, a fairly famous team, and I've, I've had other people who are actually um, all in L, on LNL kind of working there. I obviously have had uh, MKL on the show um, who did some work with uh, LNL for a bit. I don't remember if you were around. I didn't check the timetable. Um, but what was LNL like for you? Um, LNL was like the first team that really sort of like kind of concreted my belief that like I could do something with it. It was like, it was a pretty competitive team. Although once we got into like actual contenders, we were like, I think one of the worst teams that we could, I think we went, I think we only won maybe like one game or something like that. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it really sort of like broadened my horizons a little bit because I was playing with um, specifically like dummy and Ajax and they were both on NRG and like, you know, when you're, when you're in the unsigned or in the unsponsored scene, then you look up to the sponsored teams. And so those were the guys that like I would see on streams and stuff. And so I thought it was like, you know, something really cool to play with guys like that. Mm -hmm. So run me through like looking at LNL and the differences compared to both uh, Academy teams and Overwatch teams. What's the difference look like? between an unsigned team and a uh, contenders team versus an, uh, an Overwatch League team? Um, so obviously unsponsored typically is usually just you get a bunch of friends together and play. Mm-hmm. You get a bunch of friends together who are good and you, you think you be on a team and then you just play. And so it's something like that usually. And then from that unsponsored team, you gain sort of recognition. Um, and then you kind of work your way up to... Um, an academy team, and I think the biggest difference between academy and unsponsored is that you're making money, mm-hmm. um, and so making money is obviously a a good thing. And so I would say most academy teams probably make anywhere from like one to 
$3,000 a month, US dollars. And um, sort of at that point, it was really nice having something to show for my effort. Um, and then moving up from Contenders to Owl, um, Contenders, the, the, the jump from Unsponsored to Contenders was a lot smaller than Contenders to Owl was. Um, and so Contenders to Owl was like, not scary, but it was it was definitely just a big jump that I wasn't fully expecting. Okay, and can, can you like like let's let's like uh, let's take it a step by step then. Um, unsigned to a contenders, you mentioned that there wasn't that big of a difference. Um, I like especially paid teams. That seems other than the fact that they're paying you, like that seems a little like almost like baffling to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like this unsigned team is actually able to keep up with like. Uh, like I don't know what resources they put towards. Uh, I know some of the resources, but uh, yeah. like obviously because I worked with gladiators. But um, like some of the like you're you're saying that there wasn't that much of a difference in the resources that you got between um, like LNL versus like Legion. Uh, I wouldn't say the resources were like less. Uh, definitely, when you go to academy team, they're they're like a little bit more. But um, the big jump from for me, it was from second win to Legion because I was I wasn't on LNL when yeah um, when I moved to Legion, and so the the structure and sort of stuff like that from second win to Legion was like fairly similar. You know, you okay. sort of do you do similar hours and then um, similar like review times and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, had second win been a paid team, I would have stayed with them one hundred percent. All those guys, I'm still super super good friends with, and I was super good friends with on the team um, at the time. And I really liked playing with everybody there. I thought everybody was a good player, but obviously at a certain point you need to start making money. And so I, yeah. I went, I went to Legion. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk about second wind a little bit. Then second wind almost seems to have a formula or at least some sort of method considering how often their team gets poached, um, which seems to happen like all the time. And they've still been I like competitive, like even though that this occurs all the time, why do you think that is? Um, I think the staff does a very good job at, you know, sort of looking at players and who's good. They 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 scour the ladder pretty hard, um, because me and me and Haku, who were on like the the first like good second win team, there was a second win roster before us that was very very bad, um, but the good second win team, me and Haku are both like pretty big like stat guys, and so we both like look at stats on ladder and stuff like that, and so you can you know I can tell off somebody's stats how they play and um, you know what you know, what heroes they play and, and stuff like that and how good they are. And so um, we told, we basically, while we were on there um, and we had to find players, we would like, you know, say like, hey, these are good stats. You know, you want a certain damage number per 10 on Tracer or, you know, Zarya or something that you want to look for. And if they have something close to this, that means they're probably good. And then I think um, specifically Flubby on, he's not on second one anymore. I think he's with Giganti, um, but he he's He's like a very sort of nice. Um, he's a very sort of nice and understanding guy, and so I think, given like player to player, he he sort of knows what what will help them. And um, you know, he uh, I think he did a good job with a lot of the newer, younger players. Like um, Speedily, for example, had never really been on a super competitive team. He uh, he played a, like a little bit in open, but he's also a very young player, and I think. They they made speedily like a very very um, good player and gave him a good base to move forward because um, mm-hmm. now obviously he's on like XL two and he's I think they're doing fairly well um, but you know I think just they sort of take players who have potential and really sort of make them blossom. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that has to do like with the coaching staff because uh, or do you think that it's just uh, the the environment they kind of put them in or do you think it's a combination? Uh. I would think just the environment. Everybody there has sort of like a like a brotherhood environment. You really sort of, you know, when you're when you're unsponsored, you you sort of have this sort of brotherhood, you know, because it's not like you were it's not like you were picked up, yeah. you know, to an academy team. It's not like you were just selected because people thought you were good. It's like you know you picked them because you you liked them, and you know, I guess I guess that's sort of not true because you do pick them up because they're good. But it, it it just goes a little further if you're all unsponsored. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of do build this like brotherhood and it really, um, you know, you put a lot of trust into your teammates and, um, you know, just sort of having that extra trust and stuff really like takes that team to the next level. I think even if mm-hmm. their players aren't as good. 
do you think a team like Second Wing is good because they they trust each other so much? And like I know that for especially like Overwatch and uh, like pro teams, you start getting paid. Like the the thought of oh I could lose my job kind of comes in place. But it sounds like with Second Wind, you're not getting paid, so it's more like I want to yeah. I want to work towards my family. I want to impress my family. Not I'm worried about losing my job. Um, I think for some it is like impressing their family or whatever. But I think some people just want to play on like a good team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think when you do have that level of trust, that definitely like elevates your gameplay to the next level. Um, for instance, Atlanta Academy has been playing for so long and those guys are all really, really, really close friends with each other mm-hmm. that they will make a call in game and everybody will follow it up. And that, that level of trust has only ever happened to me on, um, second win where it's like, it's like a very, very, you know, hive mind sort of mentality. And I think. Atlanta Academy right now is has that sort of hive mm-hmm. mind mentality where everybody is just sort of for one and nobody's really individual. Mm-hmm. Do you think something like that that the hive mind mentality is achievable is, is achievable in Overwatch League or do you think it's going to be very hard for anyone to ever do that? Yes and no. I think it is very hard because you you have a lot of different people from a lot of different places and so not not everybody speaks English, but I think if you do um I think teams like, you know, Vancouver, for example, and Shock have really built... Van- Vancouver, obviously, was like a team forever and contenders and runaway, yeah. and so they're they're all friends with each other and stuff. And um, I think Shock didn't ha- necessarily have that, um, that set up, but I think their staff in specific has really built um, an environment like that. And I think guys like Super and Sinatra really... Like, Super and Sinatra are kind of like... LeBron James and like the NBA it's like everybody wants to sort of play with them mm-hmm. and so when you build that sort of environment and build that sort of um I guess mindset everybody sort of buys into it and then you really sort of see the results um come to fruition when you have that level of trust and friendship in your teammates so kind of looking at that, obviously we mentioned Vancouver and Vancouver was a team that basically they just implanted the entire thing. And I can see how you could achieve that with a team that you literally buy out all the pieces of like a previous team who has like built each other up and had lots of structure and doing it. So that would make sense. Um, but I feel like bringing people in is a, a lot harder to uh, achieve that. But kind of looking at this idea of just buying out an entire team, do you think that the correct approach or like a good approach um, to making competitive teams in Overwatch is to just buy out a full-on roster or do you think it's to buy pieces and build it um it depends roster roster right like it's never like as black and white as Mm -hmm. people think it is sometimes certain pieces mesh well with others but um i would say it's it's fairly safe to pick up and do something like vancouver did where they pick a super super competitive team and runaway Mm -hmm. um and really sort of give the resources that overwatch league provides and sort of take that to the next level and take that 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 bonding and friendship and also skill that they had on Runaway and then, you know, take it with all the resources Overwatch Overwatch League has and make them an either an even better version of themselves. And so I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer. I think you could pick up pieces and sort of build around um certain players. Um, but I think it just it varies from team to team. Now, you've already mentioned that there was a huge difference going from Contenders to Overwatch League. And we kind of talked about some of the like resources that are there and how to imp- like the, how uh, Vancouver improved themselves. What is the, the, like, some of the biggest differences between Contenders and Overwatch League that you've seen? Um, obviously, the, the, the coverage is the, the first biggest one that comes to mind. Um, you know, in, in Contenders, you, you get like maybe two to 3,000 viewers, whereas in Overwatch League, it can go well above 100,000 consistently. Mm-hmm. And so um, you just have a lot more eyes watching you, and there's just, you know, everybody sort of like knows who you are and stuff like that. And I think in contenders, it's just like, you know, you're pretty good, but like Overwatch League really sort of cements that. It's like, oh, like everybody, like this guy's in Overwatch League, you must be pretty good, you know? So it's, it's just... Um, that for me that was like the scariest leap was like having all the eyes looking on you and you know you want to you want to play well so that you know people are happy with what they see and stuff like that yeah do you ever worry about that has the pressure ever kind of gotten to you or like bother you like oh my god i need to like i need to play well i need to perform in front of these people has that ever bothered you um 
yes and no. I think every player sort of has some sort of, uh, I guess, inhibition in their head that, like, you know, I'm nervous, like, I won't play as well. But I think once you get up to the stage and you really sort of get locked into the, the mental space that you need to be, it, it all sort of melts away. Um, and so I think while I have gotten nervous, it, it definitely, like, goes away. And I think every player sort of has, like, pre-match nerves or pre-match jitters mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking at, at the teams, what do you think makes teams competitive with each other, right? Like, what what do you think gives teams the edge? Like, the, obviously, Vancouver, they picked up an entire really, really good roster. But what do you think gives teams like Shock or, uh, other, or Atlanta an edge uh, going into the competition versus everyone else? Like, what do you guys, like, fall back on that makes it so you can come out and beat some of the best teams in the league? Um, I think... You know, it, it like I said, it varies from team to team, and so in, in in Goats meta, I think the thing that really made teams the best was having that super super like big brotherhood environment or um, mm-hmm. super big trustworthy environment, and you know, trust in your teammates that you you would listen to each other. And so in Goats meta, that's I think teams like Vancouver and teams like Shock who did have that super big trust within each other. Um, did succeed and i think going into this now 222 um stage i think teams with individual performers will outshine a lot a lot of teams who maybe have good teamwork Te- teamwork and overwatch will always always be probably a top two or three important things mm-hmm. um simply because it is a team game facilitated around six players all working together but um i think you'll definitely see a lot better or more individual performances um going into stage 4 Okay, so kind of looking looking at like two to two and bringing that up. Um, do you think that like obviously we had roster lock happen, right? And so like they knew about two to two. You could definitely add for two to two. Do you think it's fair on teams though to the way that like two to two was implemented or like the fact that it takes a team like uh, Vancouver losing to Washington Justice because of two to two? Do you think that this is a a, a fair approach? Um. Kinda. That's always going to be sort of a weird thing about Overwatch is that you're going to introduce patches that are completely yeah. different from the the previous. And so when you do have a meta as polarizing as Goats, um, and then switch to you know a more I guess you'd say traditional way to play Overwatch, although there really hasn't been a traditional way to play yeah. Overwatch over the last three years, um, it does sort of it. It's like a weird contrast, I guess you could say, but I don't necessarily think it's unfair because all the teams sign up for it and mm-hmm. it's on them to um, build a roster that is meta-proof and, you know, is flexible and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you guys at Atlanta feel pretty secure about the 2-2-2? Are you happy that 2-2-2 came in or would you have rather have seen Goats stay? Um, I think, obviously, our, our Stage 4 success has been pretty good on 2-2-2. Um, I think our DPS players um, in specific really like playing DPS characters. I personally am a big fan of goats. I like, I like the, the tightness and, you know, teamwork involved in that meta. Um, But I am happy to play Roadhog, which is like um, pretty much the character that I started out playing. And so I think, you know, our our DPS players like Erster are really good at shine. Um, And he obviously has so far Erster, Baby Bay, and Lair. What's really, cool about Enlayer's story is that people thought it would be like a, a nepotism signing because he was on LNL with Brad yeah. and you know he's been benched the first three stages and now he comes into stage four and he's just he's dominated on Widowmaker and so that for me that's a really 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 cool story to um, I guess be a part of because he is on my team. Mm-hmm. Then kind of looking at Brad, I, I know that like nepotism, which I remember like people mentioning nepotism. It sounds like he's actually like fairly smart in the way that he planned out uh, the roster, especially for a lot of things. Like obviously uh, Dufresne was on the roster and he decided that he didn't want to play competitively anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you guys, that hasn't seemed to be that big of an issue. So it seems like Brad has the, at least some ability to future proof his roster. Uh, would you agree with that? I think the thing that takes Brad. Um, that makes Brad shine in comparison to other coaches is his scouting ability. Mm -hmm. Brad, like myself, is very, very into ladder and ladder stats like that. And so he's very rigorous about how he approaches um, his scouting. And so he does go to the ladder, he checks multiple accounts and stuff like that to see if they are actually good. 
And so I think he does do a phenomenal job at building rosters and like scouting. For example, you could look at Sinatra and Defran. Um, Defran was an EU stream sniper and he was just crazy. Like, right. Like if you saw some like random tracer that was just like farming all the top EU like people on, yeah. on stream, it was probably Defran back in the day. Mm-hmm. And same with Sinatra. Sinatra was getting like, you know, rank one and two all the time consistently. Um, and you know, Brad, Brad takes all that into account and really, um, you know, sort of gives the benefit benefit of the doubt of that player and believes that they are good and builds roster around talent that he sees. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking at the, the Defran kind of stepping in, he was a kind of controversial pick uh, getting in there. Um, I want to kind of more know, I don't want to talk so much about Defran, but more so him leaving and the effect that that caused for like you um, and like coming in here. Did you guys know that he was going to step down? Was it a kind of a shock to you guys or were you guys all prepared for it? I was not on the team at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was on I joined the team at the beginning of stage two, and so Defran mm-hmm. obviously left after stage yep. one. So I I really don't know how that um, scenario broke down. Mm-hmm. So how did you get brought in? Did you get brought in after? Like, were you brought in before stage two at all, or literally just at the like a week before stage two starts? They they contact you. Hey, listen, we we want you to to move up. Uh, the latter situation. I was I was pretty much approached on I think. I think uh, Atlanta had a match on like a Thursday or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I was approached the Friday before and I was told by my coaches at Legion, I was like, Hey, like you're, you're going to, you're getting scouted by Atlanta right now. It, nothing, nothing has happened yet, but like, we just want you to know that you're getting scouted. And mm-hmm. then Saturday I had a meeting with the Atlanta people. And then Sunday, I think I, or no, it was like, it was like, I found out I was getting scouted Friday and then like Sunday or Monday I had a meeting and then like, I think Tuesday I had a contract sent to me. And then like on Wednesday, I think the day before the match, I, I had a flight to um, LA. That's very quick moving. Um, yeah. Were you were you scared when you got into Overwatch League? Did, like when you first get in there, I imagine that the, like that's that's got to be terrifying, like coming in so quickly and playing. And I like, did you feel prepared or not? Um, no, I was kind of getting bored of contenders. I knew I, knew I was like one of the best off tanks and contenders at the time, at least in NA. Um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to take that next step. Obviously taking that big of a step is kind of scary a little bit, but like I said, once once I got up on stage for the first time and I and I really sort of locked into that mindset, it, it felt as natural as playing, you know, at my mom's house or um mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things I kind of want to check with, obviously, uh, season one, like I remember lots of players kind of coming out and talking about how exhausting the, the season was. Um, I've had players uh, already kind of talk about, uh, or at least coaches, I know I had Harsha from Vancouver Titans come on here and he was like, it's just as exhausting as it was season one. How do you feel about kind of like the exhaustion and burnout so far over the stage? Because we're almost coming to the end. Um, it's it's getting there. Um, you guys are obviously uh, fighting for uh, to, to make playoffs um, and to get into the, the, the playoff bracket uh, to, to play in. Um, what, what do you guys like? How how's the exhaustion, man? I imagine you guys are pushing yourself as hard as possible. Yeah, um, it varies from team to teams. I know a lot of the Chinese teams play like ten to twelve hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I think it varies from team to team, and I think some certain teams are better at managing burnout for their players than others. And mm-hmm. for me personally, burnout has really never been an issue. I've gotten kind of like bored of the game at certain points, but burning out to the point where like I didn't want to play has never really been an issue for me. Okay. And why do you think that is with you? Why do you think that you're, you're um, resilient towards it? Because I have the most fun playing Overwatch in competition. Like, I, I can play ranked a little bit, but obviously everybody sort of has their limit with ranked yeah. because it is very, very bad at times. Um, but when I'm... I've, the, I've had... The most fun I've ever had playing a video game is playing Overwatch in scrims or competition. And so it never really gets boring for me. And mm-hmm. so I've sort of... Um, you know, kind of put burnout away because I, I don't, I don't get burned out as long as I'm, I'm playing competitively. Cause you, cause you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun for you style. And a lot of people I think lose that enjoyment, which I think is a a huge factor in the reason why that makes a lot of sense. Um, um, kind of looking at your family and stuff like that. Do you have a lot of time to kind of be able to uh, talk to them or spend time with them or any significant (coughs) others? Um, 
not really. I mean, they live in, I live in LA now and they live in St. Louis. I do, I do give them like, you know, a text or my mom will text, my mom or dad will usually text me after a game and be like, you know, nice job or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, it's usually, it, it never really goes more than, um, a text or a phone call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you've been dating someone for like over a year. Um, I thought I saw something about that. Um, th- how does that work with the Overwatch schedule? Because I know that when I like me and my girlfriend are dating almost five years, and we were in Overwatch, like I got to talk to her like one day a week, and it was it was kind of hard um, doing uh, that. How has it been, kind of for you? Um, it's been it's been okay. Um, obviously, Overwatch League is a lot more demanding schedule than Contenders, so it's a lot it's a lot harder, I guess you could say. But yeah. I I do still talk with her consistently, mm-hmm. like probably. Um, I text her pretty much every day, and then we usually talk uh, probably about every other day or so. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talk out there that like uh, diversifying time is kind of an issue. It's it sounds like you're very good at managing your time. Do you think that that's probably true? Like it seems like you're you're fairly self sufficient in managing your time and making sure that you you can do everything that you need to do. Um. Yes and no. I think. Uh, I think. I, I procrastinate a lot on stuff, mm-hmm. but when I know I need to get stuff done, I, I, like you said, I do think I manage my time pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like after scrims, um, I'll like, you know, go to the gym or something, then I'll, I'll play ranked or whatever after, and then, you know, do whatever it is after that, whether it's playing a game recreationally or, you know, playing more overwatch or like talking to friends or my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the the gym day. Do you think that uh, the gym is really important to you and making sure that you you feel at least good? Um. Yes, I think when I was in contenders and unsigned, I didn't really do any physical activity at all. Mm-hmm. Um. But I definitely think now in Overwatch League, it 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 really does make you feel better overall. Um. Just mm-hmm. burning, you know, just burning some calories and you know getting that physical activity in because your body like you know humans aren't built to be stationary or like very nomadic race i guess you could say um and so we're meant to be moving around all the time and when you're not your body is deprived of you know the chemicals and stuff that you need and so when you are giving your body that you do have this feel-good sense um that (laughs) makes you feel good and you know i think i don't know if i've played better or worse because of it but i do definitely just have a, a general better sense of happiness and just feel better overall mm-hmm. so if you had to look at overwatch like uh and next year we're we're moving to where there's going to be lots of homesteads and you've obviously had the experience of traveling to a homestead um are you looking forward to that or are you worried about it um it has its pluses and minuses uh mm-hmm. traveling for some players is very very hard um for myself i i don't really like it or dislike it it's it's kind of annoying at times to travel a bunch um but i do the Atlanta crowd was amazing and I would like to play in front of them again. So that, that aspect of it is something I'm really, really excited for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something about the, the, cause just like looking at like burnout and stuff like that, it terrifies me about the traveling, not for everyone. Some people I think are going to be fine, but I think other people who don't manage their time well, or who don't um, have other things in their life as well, um, mm-hmm. or who don't take care of themselves. It really worries me about what like the traveling is going to do for them as well as like different teams are going to handle it differently. And I think mm-hmm. the teams that handle it badly are going to be, it's going to be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, there are pluses and benefits to it, obviously, mm-hmm. or pluses and minuses. I mean, so you have, you know, like some teams will do a very, very good job at facilitating their players even on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, just making sure that that infrastructure is established will really, really reduce that for a lot of players, really mm-hmm. reduce that sort of burnout and stuff like that that you mm-hmm. mentioned. Are you worried about practice times when it comes to traveling? Because I like I imagine getting the same amount of practice you're doing right now is probably going to be nigh impossible. Um, is that something that worries you or are you just like whatever because it should happen to everyone? Um, I'm not necessarily worried about it because it's not really my job. It's, you know, the, the staff and management mm-hmm. is that's on them. And so whatever they do, I'll follow it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure they will find a way to efficiently make that happen. Okay. Um, so one more thing that I kind of wanted to ask you uh, uh 
going for here. If there was anything in the Overwatch League that you could see improved upon, we're not going to say anything's bad. We're going to say if there was anything you could see proved improved upon in the Overwatch League, what what would you look to change? Um, I don't I don't really know. The Overwatch League is like it's pretty much what I asked for, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like a dream, a dream job. Everything's yeah. provided for me and stuff like that. Um. If I had to say one thing, maybe more transparency between the league and players. Like, a lot of the players, I, I don't know if you saw or not, but, like, the most recent thing I can think of is the this chair sponsor change. Mm. And so we no longer have the Herman Millers. We have, they're called, like, zip chairs or something like that. Mm. Um, and every, I think some people like the zip chairs, but I would say a lot of the vast majority um, really like the Herman Millers. Um, but... We didn't know about it until they the the new chairs were just like on stage one day, and so I think being a little bit more transparent about it would be helpful. But um, so far so good in the over in my Overwatch League experience. In your Overwatch League, what about yeah. contenders? I know contenders is a, a pretty hot topic all around. You've obviously played in lots of contenders teams. Um, what do you think needs to improve upon in contenders? Because you've played on unsigned teams and you've played on signed teams. Um. Contenders is just, it's kind of just a mess. Uh, it's hard. Like, I would say, you know, you want more coverage, more, more, um, you know, just putting it out there and stuff. But the thing is, it doesn't make as much money. And so, you know, money talks. And when you don't, when you're not getting as much money, there's not as much of an incentive to put more money into it and then and thus make it better. And so I think there are a lot of issues with contenders, but I don't think you can really approach them in a yeah. very healthy way without losing a bunch of money or something like that. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, uh, kind of looking at like teams like second wind or like square one, um, do you think that they will always have a place in contenders or do you think that eventually we are going to get phased out into almost like a uh, academy team and uh, obviously overwatch league team kind of like something like uh, league of legends has. Um, I think having an underdog story is really, really good for contenders. And those, uns- and, you know, the underdog sort of manifests into an unsponsored team. Yeah. And so I think, I think Blizzard recognizes that. And I think there will always be like maybe two to four unsponsored teams within mm-hmm. contenders that sort of give that storyline um, and you know stuff like that a a bigger platform to show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, that's basically all the questions that I had for you. Uh, I have one more. That's the one I kind of ask everyone else, unless there was anything else you wanted to bring up. But my last question is always fairly easy or fairly hard, depending on who you are. Um, you've had the experience being on the show. It's been a lot of fun having you. I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of be here. I've had a lot of fun uh, talking to you, getting to know you, and especially like talking about a lot of stuff that maybe other people haven't heard about. Um, so that being said, having been on the show, if you could pick anyone to kind of come on the show, um, the only criteria is they have to be involved in esports and they have to speak english because i am uncultured yeah. swine um who would you have on the show if you pick someone who i've had i'll let you know dogman already had dogman uh hmm. you're just looking for teammates <laughs> oh i dogman is such a polarizing character in the overwatch league right now that i think he was a know, lot of fun stri- yeah striking the iron while it's hot and you know i think getting him on here would be a good idea, but obviously he's already been here. Um, I'm trying to think who else would be somebody who would be a, a pretty good person to have. Um, hmm. This is a tough one. I would say I maybe maybe venture more into staff. Okay. If you could get any sort of staff, because I think the, the perspective and... Um, and reality for staff is a lot different than yeah, it is. Um, for, for a player. And so I think getting their side of the story and seeing what they have to say is um, will be a not enlightening experience, but an interesting uh, thing to hear about. Mm-hmm. So if you had to pick any staff, who would you pick? Because you've obviously worked with a lot. You've worked with some at Legion. You've obviously worked on Atlanta, Atlanta Rain staff. You have second win staff. Um. Gee, that's a hard question because I've worked with a lot of a lot of different people that I think were were cool people and were good at their job. Um, maybe maybe Justin from Second Win. Okay. 
Justin Justin is a really interesting guy because he's maintaining a normal job. Like he he does some sort of I think like warehouse management or so, something like that. Um and he was maintaining a job while also like managing Second Wind, which was like you know, he he was pretty much present all the time and so I was I was always curious to how he balanced that and that would be interesting to hear. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I've had a lot of fun. Hope you had some fun. Um, if you have any shout outs, now would be the time to uh, throw them out there. Um, I don't normally give them, but if you want them, you're more than welcome to have them. Um, no, just uh, just keep following the Atlanta and myself, I guess, and, you know, cheer us on. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show, Friday. I really appreciate it. For everyone out there, this has been Deep Dives in the Minds of Esports. My name is Blake Panashevitz, and until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful day.